Let me say by way of disclaimer before we begin that this would not satisfy uh, anyone's curriculum for uh, you know a college level theology teaching on the Trinity. Uh, you know, if a if a Bible professor were to listen to what I'm going to teach tonight on the Trinity at the end, he'd basically say, "That's it." I'm not trying to cover all the depth and width and breadth of this doctrine. I'm trying to introduce it and give you the basics of understanding what the Bible teaches about it. By the way, we will, in in separate Sunday nights, examine the person of Jesus Christ, God the Son, and then we will examine the person of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And of course, right now, we are examining the person of God the Father. When we talk about God, you are generally referring to God the Father. And so, uh, I'm not trying to... Um, meet anyone's standard of what a teaching of the Trinity is supposed to be. I'm trying to give all of us a basic understanding. And hopefully when I'm finished, you won't be more confused on the question than you are right now. Let's begin by reviewing some of what we've learned over the last few Sunday nights. First of all, Christian doctrine is the foundational teachings upon which all of Christianity is built as given to us in the Bible. Three reasons. One night we looked at like 18, but three. Three reasons why we should be students of Bible doctrine. Number one, Bible doctrine changes your life. Romans 6, 17. Number two, Bible doctrine keeps you and the people you love on the right path. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. And thirdly, Bible doctrine nourishes you. 1 Timothy 4, 6. I love that. It strengthens you. I love that because it coincides with me trying to improve my diet. And I'm still working at it. I'm still having successes. I'm still having failures. And uh, I went to pick up Amy and Amanda at Newark the other day and uh, stopped to walk the dog at the Vince Lombardi rest area there. And uh, there was a Cinnabon there. And it was just calling my name. It was, I walked by on the way to the men's room and it said, Joe Vassick. So I still have my failures, but I understand. I understand what's going on here. And I understand that there are things that I eat that nourish me, even if I don't like them. Even if they're not my favorite thing. Even if after a meal, as happens so many times now, after a meal I'm going... That's all? I, I, don't feel, I don't feel good at all. I don't, you know, I'm supposed to, my feeling before this nutrition stuff was after a meal, and basically all the time, I'm supposed to be going, oh, I can't eat another thing. I'm supposed to be like that all the time. That was my philosophy. And so, anyway, all that said, though, coinciding with that is our study of doctrine, where the Bible says that doctrine nourishes you. Now, Bible doctrine can become one of your favorite things. I believe your appetites can change. And some of you, I'm sure, I'm sure that I like some things that are very, I love, I love carrots. I love cucumbers. I, I, there's some things that are very good for me that I love. 
And you can develop appetite. You know, Rob claims he loves kale. I don't get that at all. But there are some things that are very good for you that you can develop an appetite for. You can learn to love Bible doctrine, but whether you love it or not, it nourishes you. 1 Timothy 4, 6. Theology is the study of God. And the Bible is the sole authority for every Christian's study of God. Systematic theology is a method of studying God that organizes all of the doctrines of the Bible into basic categories. It's basically making a science out of the study of God. Now, we began a couple of Sunday nights ago by talking about the attributes of God. Last Sunday night, I told you that there are two kinds of attributes of God that we will uh, look for. By the way, I don't want to plagiarize anything. I will tell you that uh, while I'm studying the Bible, I gave you a list of, I think, seven different resources that I'm using. Uh, Tonight, there is a book, and if you do want to really go deeper with one book, you should get your hands on a a book called um, Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. Now, I didn't even know this existed until my son's taken systematic theology. Now, I didn't start studying this because of his class, but I was talking to him about his class after we had already started this. And I said, what do you have for a textbook? And he says, Wilmington's Guide for the Bible. So I instantly got my hands on one. And uh, I tell you, you know, it'll take you a little bit deeper. It's a book about that thick and that tall and that. But uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's down to earth. And it doesn't take you down all the trails that uh, some of the old-time theologians do. And I think you would find it very interesting. A lot of what we're going to say tonight about the Trinity comes directly from Mr. Wilmington. Because it just I like the way he says it very concisely and uh, clearly. So anyway, the the two, two kinds of attributes of God. First of all, non-transferable attributes. Those are attributes that cannot be shared by his creation. Now we'll talk about the other group. But we probably won't get that till maybe April or May or maybe later than that because I want to take our time with these attributes of God. But the transferable attributes are things that can be st- be bestowed upon us, like love. God is love, and and we can be characterized by love if we let Him work through us. But these first set of characteristics, non-transferable. Okay? First one we said, we covered five last week. Number one, God is a spirit. Number two, God is invisible. Number three, God is one or the doctrine of the unity of God. God is perfect. God is eternal. Now we come to the sixth non-transferable attribute of God, and that is God is trinity. God is Trinity. What does that mean? Or you could say God is a Trinity. God is triune. First of all, let me give you the Trinity defined. Webster's Dictionary says, In theology, the union of three persons in one Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very basic. You've heard all that before. Here is what Harold Wilmington said, the man I referenced a moment ago. He says, And listen carefully because this gives some clarity to this concept of one God, three persons. Harold Wilmington, this is a quote, There's only one God, but in the unity of the Godhead, there are three eternal 
and co-equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The same in substance, who each person is, but distinct in subsistence, what each person does. And there's a, there's a distinction that might help you understand the Trinity a little better. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the same in substance, who they are. And I'll say more about that in a minute. But they are distinct in what they do or their subsistence. John L. Dagg, another reference that I'm using, he wrote the Manual of Theology in the late 1800s. He said the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three persons in one divine essence. I want you to understand that there is no other religion or faith in the world that claims that their God is three persons, one God. This is unique to Bible Christianity. The Trinity defined, that was, right? Yes, now let's talk about the Trinity stated. The word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. So if you're going to do a study on the Trinity and look under Trinity and the concordance, you're not going to find it. It's not in the Bible. But the concept is undeniable throughout the Bible. I want you to see, first of all, that God repeatedly speaks of himself in plurality. You're in Genesis chapter 1, look at verse number 26. Genesis 1, 6, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now we're going to end on that verse tonight, but God's talking in plurals. Why is that? As well as God and the angels. No, God is not of the same nature as the angels. That would not be... A, a consistent, that would not be an accurate statement for God to say, hey angels, let's make man in our image. They're, they're, because they're not the same, man would not, that, that's not a pattern after which to make man. God is talking about himself when he says, let us make man in our image. Another example, Genesis 3.22, after man has sinned. Genesis 3.22 says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. Once again, God is speaking of himself, referring to himself in the plural. Genesis chapter 11, if you want to turn there. Genesis chapter 11, this is the account of the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11. And verse number 7, God is speaking, and he says, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, if you want to jump and see one more example, Isaiah chapter 6, and verse number 8. Isaiah chapter 6, and verse number 8. Also, this is, of course, Isaiah's vision. I saw the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Also, 
I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, also in the Bible, by the way, there are many statements that cannot be satisfied. They they are not logical without the doctrine of the Trinity being true. Let me give you one. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. We all know that's Jesus Christ very clearly in the context. Nobody denies that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the only way that it is possible for Jesus Christ to be with God and at the same time to be God is for God to be a plurality. It's, it's, uh, if, if, that, if he's not a plurality, then our faith is illogical. Statements like that, John chapter 1, 18. John 1, 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Once again, there's no way for that verse to be accurate without the doctrine of the Trinity being true. Okay, so... Now let's look at some places where it just straight up demonstrates three persons, one God. Throughout the Bible, God appears in three persons as God Almighty or God the Father, as the Word or God the Son, and as the Holy Spirit of God. Genesis 1. You were there? If you're still there, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. I mean, God right off starts talking about himself as Three persons, one God. In the beginning, God. Now, that's the word Elohim. I don't know Hebrew, and so I'm not going to base... This is, this is not why we're looking at this verse, but, but since we're here, I'm not going to base the teaching on this, but I have read experts who say that the word Elohim in the Hebrew is plural. That, you take that for what it's worth, I'm, I couldn't tell you. But men who know the Bible and who know Hebrew have said that the word Elohim, in the beginning God Elohim, in the Hebrew is plural. Anyhow, that's not the point that I'm making. In the beginning God, God the Father, clearly, Almighty God, created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the who? Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So there we have God the Father in verse 1, God the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. When God says something, what comes out of his mouth? Words. What does John 1 call Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Who? The Word. And without him, the Word was not anything made that was made. Without the Word was not anything made that was made. Nothing was created without the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus Christ. So when God said, 
That's Jesus Christ coming out of the mouth of God. That may be hard to wrap your brain around, but that is Bible doctrine. It's in, it's in one of our uh, r- very well-known Christmas carols. O come all ye faithful. I can never remember which one it is. I know the line, though. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Boy, how many times have we sung that and totally missed that? You know what that is? That's John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. God's Word put on a human body. So there we have it in Genesis 1, right off the bat. One God, three persons. Verse 1, the Father. Verse 2, the Spirit. Verse 3, the, uh, the Son of God, the Word of God. If you want to go, you can look at uh, Matthew three sixteen. For sake of time, I'm going to fly through these. I've got them written out in front of me. Matthew chapter 3, this is the baptism of Jesus. And once again, we have all three persons of the, Holy, uh, of, of the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity present. And Jesus... That's God the Son. When he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God, that's God the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 28, verse 19, what we call the Great Commission. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. There you have, again, Father, Son, Holy Ghost right in one verse. And then 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So there's the Trinity and uh, there are many, uh, just multiple, multiple examples uh, in the Bible where the Father and the Son are referenced in the same context repeatedly. Where the Son and the Spirit are referenced in the same context repeatedly. And so there's a, there's a plurality in the Godhead, and, and it is no less and no more than three persons making up one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let me quickly explain to you, if I can, some details about the Trinity. What the Trinity is not. And there are false doctrines, that false uh, religions that teach each of these three things. First of all, the Trinity is not three separate gods. Secondly, the Trinity is not one God who simply reveals himself in three different modes. And the Trinity is not, and this is Unitarianism, the Trinity is not the Father is the creator, the Son is the creature, the Spirit is just sort of a force. That's what Unitarianism teaches, and that is not what the Trinity is. What the Trinity is, all right, and, and listen carefully, and, and I'll just try to, try, to, try to grasp what you can here, or, or let it... Let it Strengthen your understanding as much as possible. What the Trinity is. First of all, each person of the Trinity possesses the whole being of God. 
Okay, don't, don't think for a second that, that you know, God the Father is one-third of God and God the Son is another one-third of God. God the Holy Spirit is another one-third of God. No. God the Father is 100% God. God the Son is 100% God. God the Holy Spirit is 100% God. He said, I don't understand that. This is just one, one Bible doctrine where we're never going to comprehend it fully, but we have to understand what the Bible teaches. Each person of the Trinity possesses the whole being of God. The only distinction between each person of the Trinity is in their relationship to each other and to the rest of creation. For example, God the Son is subordinate to God the Father while he is fully equal with God the Father. That's one of the arguments that people who, who dispute the Trinity, who, who are, by the way, not, I, I don't think you can be a Christian if you don't believe the Trinity. That's just my opinion, but, it's, but I hold it strongly. That uh, I think if, if you don't embrace the doctrine of the Trinity, I don't believe you're truly saved. I, I think the Spirit of God is a witness to you as you study the Bible that this is the truth. But the, um, the, there are people who, who don't embrace the doctrine of the Trinity, and here's, here's what they say. Wait a minute. You're saying that Jesus is equal with God, and yet several times while on earth Jesus states submission to God's will. That doesn't prove anything or doesn't disprove anything. All, it's, all it shows is that God the Father had a job to do. God the Son had a job to do. God the Father didn't die on the cross. God the Son does not indwell all believers. They each have a job to do. So the only distinction between each person is in their relationship to each other and to the rest of creation. The concept of God as Trinity is fully factual and logical and at the same time incomprehensible. You can study it. And study, by the way, I encourage you to study it and study it and study it, but you're never going to fully grasp it. No human being ever has or ever will. There's just, that's part of the mystery of God that you... We just have to love and respect and, and trust. Now let's talk about quickly, and we'll be done, the Trinity Illustrated. If you do want to get a little bit of an understanding of how, how can it be three persons in one God? Well, nothing in all of nature perfectly illustrates the Trinity. But there are some objects that at least help us understand the concept of three parts that are equally one. These are weak illustrations but they may help you in some way to understand the concept a little bit. The triangle. Three separate lines make one object. The egg. The shell, the white, the yolk. They make three parts that make one egg. Now, they're very weak illustrations. They're, they're not, none of these is a perfect analogy of the Trinity. They're just to help us understand that there can be three different persons that make up one God. Okay, time. Past, present, Future, but it's all time. Water, liquid, vapor, solid, 
It's all water. Now, each of these and others, by the way, these are some of the most popular and common. Each of these will, will be considered by different Bible teachers to be weaker or stronger. And all that is is their opinion of which illustration they they like. Another one is, uh, you know, a, a clover. Three leaves, one clover. Okay. May not be your favorite illustration. May be the one that helps you get clarity and say, okay, that egg thing really makes it come together for me. That's great. None of them is a perfect illustration of the Trinity because there's nothing in all the creation that is the perfect illustration. Now, to me, the clearest illustration is the human being. Because going back to Genesis 1.26, don't forget God said, let us make man in our image. Now, does that mean that we all look like God? No, it can't. Because I don't look like Brother Freddie. How can we both look like God? No two of us in this room look like each other. How can we all look like God? No. When God said, let us make man in our image, this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit saying that the triune God is going to create a triune being called mankind. Now, you've heard me say this a hundred times, but, but ponder this. There's three kinds of life, basically. Plant life, animal life, human life. Animal life has something that plant life doesn't have. Plant life has a body, period. That's it. Now, if you're a tree hugger, you disagree. You think it has a soul. God bless you. But a a plant doesn't have a soul. A plant has a body. That's it. An animal has, and, and, you know, this is something that your grandma told you that, that differs from what I'm about to say, but I'm telling you, this is Bible terminology. Study it for yourself. An animal has a body and a soul. But it does not, a soul is just your person. That's all it means. A soul is just the guy that lives in there. There's no guy living in a tree. Well, again, tree huggers, but they throw everything off. But, but you know what I'm saying. There's nobody in there. Unless you're the Wizard of Oz. But there's nobody in there. Anyway, it's a plant. There's nobody in there. It's a, it's a body, no soul, no spirit. An animal has a body and a soul, but there's no spirit in there. Man. So if you want to understand what is, what is the spirit, all you got to do is, is consider the difference between plant life and animal life and then ponder the difference between animal life and human life. What is it that you have that your cat does not have? Well, that's a loaded question, but what, what is it that... Uh, Thumbs, you know, yeah, Karen. Um, no, but what is it about your person that, that is a much higher level than any animal? And that the answer is a spirit. We are the only creature that has body, soul, and spirit because we are the only creature that is made in image of God. So if you want the best illustration, in my opinion, that you're going to find, it still isn't perfect, but it's the clearest and the best one because it's the one, to me, that God gave us. 
You want to know what the Trinity is? Three persons, one God? Here it is. That man has a body, has the Son of God, has a body. Man has a soul, the essence of who you are, that's God the Father. Man has a spirit, that's the Spirit of God. You are the best illustration of a triune God, three persons, one God. You saw it in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. But here, listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You, your being, is the clearest to me, the clearest illustration of what it means to further be three persons, one God. But even, especially because we are sinners and we're imperfect, we fall short, even that is a weak illustration of God is a trinity. So, as long as you live, seek to understand everything about it you can, but don't drive yourself crazy if you go, I just, I can't fully grasp it. Let's close the same way we've been closing. First of all, our motive for studying God and Bible doctrine must always be a passion for God. Jeremiah 29, 13, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Secondly, our study of God and Bible doctrine must always be accompanied by genuine love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And lastly, our study of God and Bible doctrine should result in greater service for the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's stand together tonight. It's been a long day. You worked very hard. Some of you started out early this morning setting things up at the gymnasium, and it is now almost 12 hours. In fact, it is 12 hours from the time that you first set out from your house to make this happen today. So thank you very much. And uh, it's, it's overtime on a Sunday, so you're going to get double time for this today. So congratulations. And I, I hope that translates into eternal reward because there's not much I can do about it. But anyway, um, you want to take a moment with God and just thank him for a great day with God's people in the house of God and the service of the Lord. The altar's open. The piano will play. You come, please.
Lord, I thank you for the privilege of, of working on a team of believers that have a heart for you, that show love and compassion and, and sacrifice for you. And what a joy it is to be a part of uh, such a group of believers. And I pray that you bless them in a big, tangible way for their labor and sacrifice and their love. Please, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before we go tonight, we are going to take up our camp meeting offering. And camp meeting is just a few weeks away. Well, a few months away. A few months away, Pastor John Jenkins, Pastor John Wilkerson. And uh, I haven't, now, last year, Pastor Clark had promised that he would come Saturday night for the men's barbecue and stay and preach for us all day Sunday. But he probably doesn't even remember that. So uh, I can't say for sure that he's going to be here. I'm sure Pastor Bish will be here Wednesday night. And so there'll be other things to add. The Housing and College Shore Group will be here Monday and Tuesday. And uh, so it's going to be a wonderful week. Let's have Brother Corky come. We'll take up our camp meeting offering tonight. When he's done, we'll be dismissed. There'll be no Sunday school teachers meeting tonight. But I need to meet with the staff people because we need to make sure that we've got our act together for this coming week. So that'll be good. All right. Any one last shot at testimony t- tonight that you uh, you uh, meant to say, praise the Lord for, or you want to say it now? Or, hey, maybe it's not about Sunday dinner. Just praise the Lord for anything at all under the sun. Anybody? Yes, Clayton. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Very good. God faked us out, man. We were.